Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Pirelli tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. And remember, Duralast batteries proven tough, designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions with patented technology to deliver the most power during startup. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Now, you may think I'm crazy. And this is not going to be about how many games I would win if I were the NBA coach to start with. But I actually believe that the Boston Celtics coming off a Game 7 win are not in an awful place going up against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Let me explain why. They have absolutely nothing to lose now. They were the number one overall seed And I feel like a lot of people out there did not believe that the Celtics were the best team in the East. In fact, just about everybody. Because effectively, the Cavs said to the Celtics, we don't even care. The last two games of the regular season, the Cavs took off. They took off that week. The Cavs have rolled through the playoffs. Everybody's forgotten that the first series they played against the the Indiana Pacers was actually a little bit closer than maybe people anticipated. Three of those four games while they swept were pretty tight. If I remember correctly, all four of those games were decided by a total of 16 points. The only game that the Cavs covered with ease in that first round series was the one where they came back from a 25-point deficit. So you start to run through all these different situations, and the Boston Celtics have basically been under fire from the moment the playoffs began. Remember, they lost the first two games of the playoffs to the Chicago Bulls. Everybody was worried that they might get swept to the eight-seed Bulls. Then Rondo breaks his thumb. 
The Celtics win four in a row there. Then they win two to start the Washington Wizards series. Then they lose two. They get pushed to game seven. They find a way to win. A guy by the name of Kelly Olenek puts up 26 points and outscores John Wall 14 to nothing in the fourth quarter. And now the Celtics are into the Eastern Conference Finals, and they are massive underdogs. No one expects them to have a chance against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And all they would have to do, in theory, is win their four home games, and they would advance to the NBA Finals. Now, I'm not saying I think it's likely that they're going to do that, but I do like the perspective that the Boston Celtics finds themselves in, and that's not even counting the fact that they have a 25% chance of winning the NBA lottery. Right now in the Eastern Conference, I feel like we have a lot of teams auditioning for their opportunity to be the leading team when LeBron James finally starts to stumble and not dominate the Eastern Conference in the years ahead. I'm not sure when that's going to happen. I'm not sure what the outcome is going to be. I'm not even sure when it's ever going to happen. But LeBron James is not going to be the dominant force that he is right now forever. And so this was an opportunity for the Boston Celtics to establish, given the fact that they're going to have a very high draft pick, that they have cap room, that they could potentially persuade Gordon Hayward to come join them, that they are the future of the Eastern Conference. They've got a great coach in Brad Stevens. They've got a relatively young team. They obviously still have some weaknesses. Meanwhile, on the flip side of this Game 7, you had John Wall trying to establish that he was a legitimate superstar in the NBA, potentially the second-best player in the Eastern Conference. He's still relatively young, and he still has the opportunity to prove that he is a dominant force to come in this league. Unfortunately for him, in the final 19 minutes of last night's game, he went 0 for 11 from the field, 0 for 7 from 3. And like I said, in the fourth quarter, he was outscored 14 to zip by Kelly Olenek, who stepped into the radar there, stepped into the the national spotlight, and made plays that nobody would have ever anticipated him making. And so, as a result, we now have the Eastern and Western Conference set in the NBA playoffs, and we're exactly where most people probably would have expected us to be before the playoffs even began. We've got number one seed Cavs, uh, number two seed Cavs, who everybody thinks is effectively the one seed. They are a massive minus 550 favorite to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then we have the, uh, the Warriors, who are now up 1-0. They'll play game two tonight, and they are minus 5,000 to advance to the next round and meet each other in the NBA Finals where the Warriors would be a small favorite. But I am not, I don't think I'm crazy to say that I think there's a legitimate chance here that the Celtics could, could now play with zero pressure on them. Again, I think you're going to see a different, looser Celtics because even if they don't advance now to the NBA Finals, they have in some measure fulfilled their expectations. They have advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals. They are now playing with house money. There is absolutely nothing for them to lose going up against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I'm kind of excited to see how this series is going to go. Now, maybe we're going to see what we saw happen uh, in in every every other playoff round so far that the Cavs have had, where they've basically established that the regular season doesn't matter at all. But... Remember, if you go back when I said that the Celtics winning the number one seed could end up being a big storyline in this series if they were fortunate enough to advance 
to the Eastern Conference Finals. And we saw the Cavs have to answer for the fact that they basically thumbed their nose at the idea of winning the Eastern Conference regular season. Remember, the Cavs didn't even attempt to win the number one seed in the final week of the season. They rested all their starters. They haven't hardly played at all so far in the playoffs. They've only played eight games. Amazingly, you know, nearly a month of rest since that, that week that they took off at the end of the regular season. I am absolutely fascinated to see whether there's any rust early in this series or if, much to the NBA chagrin, the Eastern Conference Finals are going to be a total beatdown by the Cavs over the Celtics. I don't necessarily believe that's going to be the case. I think that the Celtics stand a really good chance, especially in Game 1, having come off a really hard-fought series of catching the Cavs unaware and managing and stealing an opportunity there. Again, I don't think that the Celtics are going to win this series, but I do think they have a better chance of being competitive now than the Spurs do. And, oh, man, the Spurs have fallen off the wagon. Greg Popovich is out of control We've got all sorts of audio to play for him from uh, Greg Popovich. If you haven't heard what Popovich had to say about Kawhi Leonard getting hurt, you need to hear this. We're going to play this for you in uh, the second segment of today's show. And I'm also going to tell you why Greg Popovich is a huge, massive hypocrite here who most in the NBA are afraid of criticizing. And Popovich, who, by the way, is a dead ringer. Am I the only person who notices this? is a dead ringer for President Snow from all of those uh, all those Hunger Games movies. I mean, he looks just like the Donald Sutherland character. I can't, he needs to stand on the sideline. Am I the only one who watches this show, uh, those movies that is actually a sports fan too? He needs to stand on the sideline with a huge rose on his lapel, and he is literally a dead ringer for Donald Sutherland. The guys could not look any more alike. It is extraordinary. And Popovich seems to believe that the rules don't apply to his spurs. That hypocrisy, nobody will call him on it. I have found an unbelievable quote from Greg Popovich about him defending Bruce Bowen. So you can't go after Zaza like Greg Popovich did and enable Bruce Bowen for years and years and years. They were very, very similar players. Bowen criticized all the time for doing exactly what Zaza is being criticized for by Greg Greg Popovich now. We will talk about that and more again next segment. I'll also open up the phone lines now that the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference are set. 877-996-6369 if you want to react. This is Outkick the Coverage. I am Clay Travis. And get your popcorn. I'm about to tee off on Greg Popovich next on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. The drama has gotten elevated quite a bit in the Warriors-Spurs series. The Spurs came out and got up 25 points. 23 points in the third quarter was their lead. And then... Kawhi Leonard got injured, came down on Zaza's foot as he closed out on a jumper. Was it or was it not a dirty play? Well, Greg Popovich has seen it all, and he decided in his press conference yesterday to take this series to a different level, and this is what he said. The play where he took Kawhi down and locked his arm in Dallas and could have broken his arm 
Ask David West, his current teammate, how things went when Jaja was playing for Dallas and he and David got into it. And then think about the history he's had and what that means to a team, what happened last night. Totally unnatural closeout that the league has outlawed years ago and pays great attention to it. And Kawhi's not there. And you want to know how we feel about it. You want to know if that lessens our chances or not. If he would have played and they'd have ended up winning, I go get dinner, have a glass of wine, wake up the next day, go to practice, and move on. But this is crap. And because he's got this history, it can't just be, oh, it was inadvertent. He, he didn't have intent. Who gives a damn about what his intent was? You ever hear of manslaughter? You still go to jail, I think, when you're texting and you end up killing somebody. But you might not have intended to do that. All I care is what I saw. All I care about is what, I, what happened. And the history there exacerbates the whole situation and makes me very, very angry. Now, Greg Popovich gets the right to basically say anything in the NBA because he's considered royalty, the best coach in the league, and very few people in the media and the NBA will actually call him out when he says something like this. But I saw this, and I thought it was fascinating. This was back in 2006. Greg Popovich, 11 years ago, after the NBA warned Bruce Bowen, who a lot of you will remember as a guy who did chronically exactly what Greg Popovich is complaining about right now, stepping under jump shooters. Here is direct. Here are direct quotes from Greg Popovich from back then. Popovich said Bowen's being singled out, citing incidents uh, of other teams doing the same things. Did the league call them, Popovich said. Did they call all those guys Dirk Nowitzki landed on when he sprained his ankle the past three, four years? The answer is no. So why did they call Bruce? Because it's happened to him twice? Bruce guards an all-star every night. If he was doing what they're accusing him of doing, wouldn't it have happened a higher percentage of times? The people who cry about it are just frustrated about having to go against Bruce. And then he went on to say, the league is just trying to cover its ass. I told Bruce, you be Bruce Bowen. You're the best effing defender in this league. You will not change the way you play defense and then he continued about the NBA Stu Jackson is not going to change my team just because he thinks he's doing the right thing is that anything other than absolute naked hypocrisy by Greg Popovich aka President Snow right here railing against exactly what he defended Bruce Bowen for 11 years ago Isn't this just a case of a coach who understands that his team is in trouble trying to latch on to any possible, any possible way for his team to pull off the upset, being frustrated? Look, I understand why he's frustrated. His best player is injured. But I personally did not think that what Zaza did deserved to be compared to manslaughter. Now, if Popovich had said... Look, I think it's negligent the way that he closes out, that he's going up underneath players, and as a result, you're not looking at the way that you are, you know, when you come down after a jump shot, you're naturally following your shot, not worried about where your feet are going to land, that it's considered unnatural that you close out and end up with your feet underneath a player. I I understand the argument that it's negligent. We'll play you Charles Charles Barkley in a minute, but I want to bring in the crew You just heard Popovich complain about Zaza. You just heard me going back and finding him quotes about Bruce Bowen. It seems to me that he's complaining about 
exactly what he defended Bowen for doing. Is it not total hypocrisy to compare those two quotes from Greg Popovich? And now, let me before I go to my crew and, and go around the horn here, let me also say this. I don't blame Popovich for making these arguments, right? He is an advocate, and oftentimes advocates end up in hypocritical positions. It was best for Popovich to defend Bruce Bowen back in 2006 because his player was accused of doing exactly what he's accusing Zaza of doing. If he had been the head coach of Dirk Nowitzki, I'm sure that he would have ripped Bruce Bowen. But when you're an advocate on the one hand for aggressive defensive play like Bruce Bowen doing the exact same thing that he's now accusing Zaza of, it doesn't mean that I then am going to buy you when you come to me and how on the opposite side now saying, oh, Zaza's behavior is so unacceptable. I'm not then going to give you a pass. I'm not then going to say, yeah, you know what? In the grand scheme of things, Popovich is right. No, because he was going to do whatever is best for his team, regardless of which side of the argument he ends up on. If he had had Bruce Bowen be on the other side and he had Zaza right now, I think he'd be defending him. Now, I don't know if Mike Brown's going to come out aggressively anywhere near this and defend Zaza, because I do think it probably is going to create more bad blood, more ill will, put more onus on the officials to try and figure out exactly what the the storyline will be in game two tonight. But let's go around the horn, bring in Jason Martin. Jason, is this not hypocritical of Popovich to say the exact opposite now of what he said about Bruce Bowen? Yeah, it's definitely hypocritical in terms of, I mean, Bruce Bowen was notoriously one of the dirtiest players in the league. Like, unlike Zaza, I don't think Zaza is necessarily a dirty player. Uh, I did think Bruce Bowen was a dirty player, and I listened to player after player, coach after coach, uh, expert after expert back it up and watch film. Um, I think that Popovich in this situation is trying to tell his team. Now, I, I do think he was mad, and I think he legitimately should have been because that was not a natural closeout, and I agree uh, with that part of the argument. But I think he was trying to tell his team, you see that? Everybody's talking about what the Warriors are going to be able to do. The Warriors can't even beat you. They had to take out Kawhi Leonard to win this game. I feel like this was a one of those moments where he was speaking to his own locker room. Sure, he's going to take the brunt, and there are going to be people that are going to kill him today, and there are going to be people that agree with him today. But I think he was trying to spur on his team, no pun intended, to where this game gets more physical tonight, perhaps, where they play with a little bit more of an edge than they would otherwise, because he knows in his heart of hearts that certainly without the services of Kawhi Leonard, they're not going to be able to win this series. But he wants to try and inspire his kids, to inspire the young men that he does have out there to do the best that they can uh, in this series. So I think that there was some calculated uh, point behind what he did. But in terms of the hypocrisy question, yes, it's absolutely hypocritical because your quote directly relates to the same kind of thing that he just exploded about Zaza Pachulia uh, in you know, in the situation that happened in game one. So, yeah, I would, I would agree. It's definitely hypocritical. And it makes me not be willing to accept Popovich's crocodile tears here. Danny G and Robert, are you guys with me that it's a totally hypocritical? I mean, again, that quote that I read you about Bruce Bowen was from 2006. And I'm not blaming a coach because a lot of times as a coach, you end up in hypocritical situations, right? You end up having to defend somebody for something that if they were on your team, you would rip them for, right? Or vice versa. 
It's all about finding ways to win. And so I think Popovich is doing whatever he thinks is best for his team to win. But I feel like a lot of people out in the media are covering Greg Popovich's statements as if he's an unbiased, involved party here. And the truth of the matter is he's not. He's an advocate. He's going to advocate for his player just like if he had Zaza, he would. I thought it was interesting that he pulled in David West and was like, ask David West. He's on his own team. Uh, what do you guys think? Is this uh, Danny G and Robert out in L.A.? Is this evidence of Greg Popovich being a total hypocrite? Oh, absolutely. And I think uh, just to piggyback a little bit on what um, Jason said, another thing I think he's trying to do is he's trying to you know, call attention to the officials and say, hey, these are little things that he's doing because he knows one of the only, if the only advantage his team has in this series is their size inside. And if Zaza's really the only big man they have that's kind of serviceable at the moment, if you can, you know, get him in foul trouble or get the rest kind of keeping an extra eye on him and some of the little things that he's doing, that's, you know, going to help them, you know, a little bit. They're not going to win the series, but it's calculated. It's fine. Uh. David West said in response to these comments, I mean, Zaza is my teammate. He plays hard. He's just trying to win. That's as far as it's going to go. Just playing hard, man. He's an aggressive guy. That's who he is. That's who he's always been. I mean, I I think that's a fairly interesting. I mean, it's like, when's the last time somebody said, you know what? My teammate's a dirty bastard. You know, I don't ever remember. It's it's almost like locker room rules. Can you guys remember anybody? Because I can't. I can't remember anybody ever coming out and saying, especially in the playoffs when it's highly competitive, God forbid it's even the you know the Western or the Eastern Conference Finals, and saying like about Dennis Rodman, for instance. Yeah, you know what? Dennis Rodman's a really dirty dude. I don't remember a Spurs player ever coming out and saying, you know what? Bruce Bowen really upsets me. I don't, I don't enjoy him being on the team. I mean, you just wouldn't say those kind of things about a teammate. Well, was it dirty or not has been a big debate. I watched this play. I'm going to be honest with you. I watched this play a ton of different times, and I understand where the argument that he is dirty is coming from, but I just I, I don't see it on this play. And I understand Greg Popovich saying that it's like manslaughter. I mean, it's a really ridiculous argument to argue that it's like manslaughter, but what he's trying to argue is that you can be guilty of a crime even though you don't have the intent to commit a crime based on just negligent behavior, right? And so he's arguing that Zaza, the way he closes out – is evidence of negligent behavior, which is the equivalent of somebody getting charged with manslaughter because they hit somebody while they're texting while driving, right? It's a negligent behind-the-wheel behavior. You're doing something that could lead to an issue, even though, and this is why people text behind the wheel, the vast majority of the time that you text behind the wheel, nothing bad happens, but it could happen. It's more likely to happen because of the decisions that you're making. Well, Charles Barkley went off. Charles Barkley went off last night on TNT and said it was a dirty play, and this is what Barkley had to say. Let me say this. I'm hesitant to call a person dirty unless they have a a history. Greg Popovich seems to think he does. Uh, I I don't know enough. I don't remember all the things Zaza's done. Um, So I'm going to preface my statement with that. But we do know there are other NBA players who have admitted it, that they do that. It is a dirty play uh, to do that. I played with a guy who did that, and it was a dirty play. And I've heard other guys on other networks say, I did this. And it's, it's, it's a dirty play. Uh, but like I say, I don't want to call a guy dirty unless I have proof or he has a track record. But let me say this. It is a dirty play, Ernie. 
So running underneath, I want to get your calls on this. I'm actually fascinated by whether or not you guys believe it's a dirty play. 877-996-6369 is the phone number. We'll also come back and I'll poll the crew about whether or not they think it's a dirty play. I don't think it's a dirty play. All right. I think that his intent when he does that is to play through the extremes of basketball, right? He's a guy who's an edge guy. He's a guy who's not going to stand out athletically. This is typically who we see make plays like this, guys who are edge guys. And so I think he, in his mind, is believing that he's doing everything to get every ounce of ability out of his body. I don't think he's trying to injure Kawhi Leonard. 877-996-6369. You guys may disagree. Let's go find out right now what's trending. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And as well, I want to tell you, with True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Hope all of you are having uh, great Tuesdays. Thanks for hanging out with us here on OutKick. We're talking about the Spurs against the Warriors game two, and in particular, Greg Popovich going off on Zaza saying that his closeout on Kawhi Leonard's shot was dirty. And it's the exact opposite to all the arguments that he made back when he had Bruce Bowen, who was the expert in the closeout on a jump shooter and put yourself in a position where a guy could come down and injure himself, which is why it's a fascinating debate from a hypocritical perspective because now Pop is on the exact opposite side that he was when he had Bruce Bowen for years as a defender. So here is... One, I think, interesting thought from my perspective about whether this play is quote-unquote dirty. To me, I do think that intent matters when you classify a play as dirty. To me, there's a difference between a dirty play and a dangerous play, right? Dangerous plays can be within the context of the rules, right? To me, a dirty play is one that you do intentionally attempting to injure someone, okay? If somebody goes up to shoot uh, a shot and you swing to block the shot and you get a flagrant foul and it's evident that you were trying to hit somebody in the head or somebody's got a breakaway layup and you push them in the back, to me that's a direct intangible act that is quote-unquote dirty. Like I don't buy into Greg Popovich's idea that this is a negligent play and it's the equivalent of manslaughter. I think this is a play that you close out on a jump shooter. The vast majority of the times, Kawhi Leonard will land and there won't be an issue, right? Every now and then, from a sheer probability perspective, when you have somebody jumping up to take a shot and you have a defender and that defender moves closer on the shot as opposed to falling back on the shot, then you have the opportunity to have what happened here, somebody come down on somebody else's ankle. Now, I understand Popovich's argument. This is, by the way, exactly what Bruce Bowen would do. And I think, why would Bruce Bowen do it? One, I think it's possible that the injury factor is there. More likely, I think it just puts in the eyes of the jump shooter and the mind of the jump shooter something that takes them off the shot, right? Because jump shooting is such a rhythm thing that when you go up to shoot, if you are thinking about the way that you are going to land after your jump shot because you know a guy like Bruce Bowen or Zaza is going to close out on you. You're thinking about how your feet are going to land as opposed to just the complete release of your jump shot, right? I mean, I think that's the most basic level 
why you do it. It's an aggressive play because it gets in the mind of the jump shooter and probably leads to a little bit lower percentage of the jump shots being made over the course of a game, over the course of a series. That's why you do it. Now, most people, I think when they challenge a shot, you'll watch, they go to one side or the other of the jump shooter, right? And probably you, if you play pickup basketball and you challenge a jump shot, you don't challenge the jump shot and then turn and go into the landing area of the player. Now, the interesting thing about this is it requires probably a less athletic player because you have to land before the jump shooter does, right? If you're a great player and you think about this, you're actually putting yourself in similar danger, right? I mean, I'm not an expert on physics, but I want you to follow me through on the jump shot. Pretend, and this is one of those things where you can think about it from your own pickup basketball days. If somebody jumps before you to go up to shoot a jump shot and you run out to challenge them, if you leave your feet to challenge that jump shot, odds are the jump shooter is going to land before you, right? Unless somebody else is just a much better athlete than you are, and they are hanging in the air Jordan-style against Craig Elo for much longer than you are, by and large, if somebody leaves the ground to shoot a jump shot, the defender is going to leave the ground second, right? This is not a ridiculous idea, but I feel like the physics of this situation do matter because nobody will challenge Greg Popovich. So in that situation, Kawhi Leonard is in the shooting motion. He has already left. Okay, he's already left the ground. He's up in the air. He's going to challenge it. If you also jump to challenge the shot, odds are that you are going to land after, oftentimes, if you're jumping aggressively to challenge a shot, you're going to land after the jump shooter. If you close out and you don't ever jump yourself and then you immediately square to box out, this also can be a natural result of it. So I'm not willing to buy into the idea that this is a dirty play. Because again, there are a couple of different ways this could happen. If you jump to challenge a jump shot as well, then you are landing after someone else and the defender could very easily come down on the offensive shooter's foot, right? If you don't ever jump at all and you're a tall guy, you're a big man, and you have your hand extended challenging the shot from the get-go, that is also potentially going to be a situation where when you just spin to box out, you're then in the position where the defender, the sorry, the offensive player is coming down. Have I confused everybody by trying to get into the physics of this? Because I do think the physics on this matters. And the point that I'm making is, to me, a dirty play is one in which you are trying to hurt someone. You are trying to hurt someone, and there is a definite intent to injure. I don't think there's a definite intent to injure here. I think what Greg Popovich is arguing is Zaza's behavior, much like Bruce Bowen's before him that he managed to defend, is just negligent. And we have an entire class of law, right, that is based on negligence under the law. You can be charged with a crime because you behave in an extremely negligent fashion, which is why Popovich was making the argument, this is like texting and hitting somebody and getting charged with manslaughter. It's not an intent behind it, but your behavior was so negligent that it should be outlawed. And I disagree. I don't think that you can draw an easy line here between a negligent behavior and aggressive behavior. And to me, there's a distinction between that and trying to say, oh, we get, we're going to outlaw this all the time. It would put a lot of judgment on officials. It would be very difficult. 
and something that's intentional where when you go look at the film, you say, okay, this is a flagrant one or this is a flagrant two, and we've got a good sense for what happened. I'm going to go take some of your calls here in the final segment of this show, but let's go ahead and take a break here. I think we have a bunch of calls lined up. I will get your opinions on whether or not you think this was, in fact, something that the NBA should be concerned with. How dirty was the play? Was Greg Popovich right? We will talk about that on the flip side here. 877-996-6369. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on car insurance. You can find me on Twitter at Clay Travis. Right now the poll question is up. Was it a dirty play or not? Was Zaza stepping underneath Kawhi Leonard on the jump shot a dirty play? I just went and watched it like 15 times again during this commercial break. And I don't see any way that if you ever coached Bruce Bowen, you could have an issue with this. Zaza's going out to challenge a three-point jump shot. He's trying to get as close as he can to the player without running into him. If you watch the play, he was actually surprised he was called for a foul, and I believe the only contact he had on the play was that Kawhi Leonard came down and landed on his foot. Having said that, there is obviously a lot of different opinions about this. Popovich has had some effect with his rant because right now again I just put it up it's only been up for 15 minutes right at 600 of you have voted you can go vote yourself and we are dead even 50-50 was Zaza's play dirty against Kawhi now I think if you're a Spurs fan you're more likely to see it as dirty if you're a Warriors fan you're less likely to see it as a dirty play I just went and watched it 20 times and I don't see it as a dirty play it's my personal opinion I also don't know how you can penalize this because Greg Popovich may want negligent behavior to be penalized by the NBA, but I can't think. Effectively, that's what he's arguing when he's saying that this is like manslaughter, whether or not there was an intent. To me, the only thing you can punish in basketball or any other sport is it's not like football, right, where we say if you grab somebody's face mask, that's a dangerous play. Even if it was unintentional, we've basically done away with the intentional or unintentional face mask, right? It's 15 yards if you grab somebody's face mask. And effectively, what we're saying there is this is such a dangerous play, intent doesn't matter, right? That is a dangerous play. I can't think of a basketball rule that we have in place. If one of you can, reach out to me on Twitter at Clay Travis, or you can make, give us a call, 877-996-6369. I can't think of an NBA rule or basketball rule we have in place where there isn't an intent involved and we say, this is such a dangerous play, we can't allow it. Like, how would you legislate this Zaza play? Because all he's doing on some level is extending and challenging the shot as best he can and then boxing somebody out. Now, you can say there's no need to box anybody out on a three-point jump shot. Eh, I mean... I, I don't know. I mean, I understand that you're saying he's so far from the rim that he's not going to be able to get a shot, but you're also slowing him down within the offensive flow. You're making sure that he's not getting back on defense quickly. I think it's just an aggressive play. Let's go take some of your calls. I'll see whether or not you guys agree. Uh, Mike in San Antonio. I bet you I know what side Mike's going to be on. What's up, Mike? You know, you know, I was telling when when I called the you know the guy who answered the your calls. I told him. You know, this is this is just a bunch of crap by Popovich, man. It wasn't so, a okay. dirty play. 
I agree with you. I think Popovich is trying to get every angle that he can. I think he knows his team is in trouble. And I think he's angry and frustrated that Kawhi Leonard is going to be out for game two. He knows if he goes down 0-2 to the Warriors. I think this is about Popovich not winning game one. Uh, I, and you know, I, I really do. Uh-huh. And, you know, another thing, uh, Clay, you know, I play, I'm not a professional. I'm not making myself look good. But, you know, I played a lot of sports in high school. And let's, let's face it, man. When when you're when you're playing a team and you know the other guy's best player is hurt, you're not going to try to hurt him, but you're going to try to make things hard on hard on him. You you know what I mean? That, that's how you should pop this and understand. And real quick, and the NBA, hey man, John Stockton, Michael Cooper, all these guys were dirty players, and you know people will mention that. So hey, thanks. I appreciate the call. Again, I think there's a distinction between dirty and aggressive. Dirty to me is not a phrase that should be applied unless there is an intent to injure behind your behavior. Being aggressive and closing out on a jump shooter when they're shooting a three, Bruce Bowen made a lot of money doing that. Eventually, he became a good three-point shooter himself, but for a long time, he was known as an aggressive defender who would push all of his behavior to the limits of the rules and beyond. And Greg Popovich defended him. You're listening to this on podcast. You can go back and listen to my quotes. I'll hit them for you again at the top of hour two, probably, and hour three, potentially. His quotes defending Greg Popovich did defended Bruce Bowen, the exact opposite of what he's saying about Zaza right now. Let's go to John in California. John, what's up? Uh, the thing on Pop's rant is, uh, you know, Zaza's a big man. He, his coordination level of closing out, you know, to, to – Great point. Have his balance when he's when he's you know seven foot, all that weight that he's carrying around. Uh, you you got to have a balanced, uh, athletic type of guy that knows what he's doing. If he did it intentionally, another thing is I think Pop's rant is he's trying to persuade uh, you know somewhat the referees tonight to to you know feel feel sorry in a way that he's going to get more calls because he's down a man, and I, you know how Pop works. He tries to. You'll leverage and, and, and gain a little bit of, uh, you know, edge in a way that I think, you know, the Warriors are going to be out to, to put, you know, this to a, to a close tonight because I think, and I am a Dub fan, but, you know, I, I understand the whole situation. I just think it's bad and it's hypocritical on Pop's part. And uh, thanks for taking my call, Clay. It's a good call. It's a good call, John. I think it, you definitely have to factor in that Zaza is not an incredible athlete. He's a big man. Big men on the perimeter don't control their bodies in the same way that a smaller man would. This is a guy who is challenging a shot at the three-point line and then is sliding around to box out a player. It's different than if he were, to be frank, Bruce Bowen's size. Bruce Bowen made a living defending guys like Kobe Bryant, the best player on the opposing team's offense. Bruce Bowen knew exactly what he was doing. I'm more inclined, and you probably should be too if you watch big men play, I'm more inclined to give big men passes on situations like this where they're in non-traditional parts of the court trying to defend guys who are taking jump shots. Eric in San Antonio. Eric, what's up? Hey, how you doing, Clay? Um, Transplant San Antonio, not a San Antonio Spurs fan at all, but I just want to agree with the last caller. How often was Zaza on Kawhi throughout the game? It was a complete mismatch. They took it in and they threw it out, and he just went and tried to defend the f- play. Like, I'm oh, sorry. Dropped, we had to let him go. He dropped an F-bomb. 
early in the morning to drop an F-bomb describing it and, and not even be like that was an F-bomb, not even like an angry F-bomb. That was like a, we're just in the middle of the conversation and he just dropped an effing right there. He was trying to say, I don't know how much you guys got to hurt to hear. He was actually, he was trying to defend Zaza and he didn't defend him perfectly. Quickly, Kathy in Portland. I heard you already called in, ben, uh, Kathy. What's up? Hi there. It uh, seems like it was a negligent play. It seems like he does have a history. Uh, but, yes, Popovich is a hypocrite. Um, when I heard his quote earlier, I laughed. Thank you Thank for the you, call. Sir. Yeah, look, I mean, I think Popovich is a hypocrite. He's going to do whatever defends his team, whatever helps his team the best. I don't think there's any doubt at all. we got a couple of ridiculous stories that I want to hit you with in the next hour, including... Have you ever heard of a guy who sings the national anthem losing his mind because he's lost his ability to, to sing the national anthem? It's going on right now in the NHL. The Predators announcer, the, the announcement singer, has lost his mind. I'll tell you about it next on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote and... Drive the new Duralast GT brake pads. Proven tough from the tracks to the streets. Sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Tonight, uh, the NHL is also continuing its uh, Eastern and Western Conference series. In particular, the Western Conference series is continuing. And the Nashville Predators will be hosting the Anaheim Ducks, not the Mighty Ducks. We found out yesterday the Mighty Ducks don't exist anyway. A lot of us did on this show. And this is maybe the most ridiculous story I have seen associated with the NHL or maybe the playoffs in general, NHL or NBA so far. So it's not a surprise that before every hockey game, you have somebody come out and sing the national anthem. What may be a surprise, at least for some of you, is that the Nashville Predators, uh, located as they are in Music City, have a roster of pretty incredible acts that they can call on to come out and sing the national anthem. And in particular, in their series against the Chicago Blackhawks and now in their series also against the St. Louis Blues, the Predators for their home hockey games have brought out Carrie Underwood, who happens to be married to the team captain, Mike Fisher. They have brought out Lady Annabellum. They have brought out uh, Luke Bryan. And uh, they have also brought out uh, Rascal Flats. I think. Is that right? Or Little Big Town. Little Big Town. Some, anyway, and Vince Gill, lots of big names. They've had five home playoff games, I believe, and they have had five celebrities come out and sing the national anthem. Well, this is flying in the face of some guy named Dennis Morgan, who is otherwise the national anthem singer. He does all the national anthems for the Nashville Predators, and he is now upset that celebrities are getting to sing the national anthem instead of him. I'm not making this story up. This story came out last night, and again, these are quotes from this guy. I'm not going to hide my disappointment that I've been asked the same question over and over. It's just really getting old. Everywhere I go, obviously at my day job, he's a healthcare IT recruiting manager, and at the arena, as well as everywhere else I go, church, grocery stores, on the street, in meetings, in restaurants, people want to know how I feel. Now, first of all, no, they don't. Okay, nobody out there is like, I wonder how the guy who used to sing the national anthem feels about being replaced by Carrie Underwood, Lady Antebellum, Little Big Town and Luke Bryan. Right. Nobody thinks that everybody is like, yeah, of course you got replaced. Those people are famous and celebrities and people pay hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to see them perform in concert. 
it's a tremendous boon for the city to put them on television and also for the 17,000-some-odd people who go to watch the game play in person. In the playoffs, it's kind of exciting to be in the crowd. I may be there Thursday to watch the game against Anaheim. Kind of exciting to see which celebrity is going to come out and sing, as opposed to the dude who shows up and sings every game during the regular season. Let's continue these quotes. I felt like people were asking me about not singing the national anthem more than they were honoring the retiree, and that felt really, really bad. He said he attended a retirement party last Saturday and unintentionally stole the spotlight because of the issue. Now, look, this is not people actually caring about you not singing to the extent that they are bringing it up with you at all. And I feel like I need to give this Predator uh, national anthem singer a dose of reality. They are asking you out of niceness, right? Probably back in the day, Wally Pipp's family, when he got replaced by Lou Gehrig, I bet they went up to Wally Pipp all the time and they said, you know what, Wally Pipp, you should be in the game instead of Lou Gehrig. I think it stunk that you missed one game and the Iron Horse came in and he replaced you. Wally, we think you were better than Lou Gehrig. That's what friends and family do. They tell you lies to make you feel better about yourself. I guarantee you back in the day, Wally Pipp, if he had gotten interviewed, would have gone out and said, you know what, I'm going around everywhere. And people are saying to me, why is that Lou Gehrig guy taking your spot? I think you were better than Lou Gehrig. Guess what, Wally Pipp? It wasn't actually true. They liked you more than they liked Lou Gehrig because they're friends and family. He continues with these ridiculous quotes. The most important part of a Stanley Cup run is not what happens in pregame ceremonies. Well, good point, buddy but rather what happens on the ice. I will address any disappointment I have with the Predators' decision, hopefully, after a Stanley Cup parade. Dude, you just addressed your disappointment with the Predators' decision, and the Stanley Cup run is not over. You just contradicted yourself, Greg Popovich style, right in the middle of this story. Again, This is one of the most absurd stories I have seen so far. He continues, I don't blame Carrie Underwood or Luke Bryan or any of the other acts who have performed. I've been as good-natured as I can be. With my closest friends, I've certainly shared my disappointment. But most of the time, I'll tow the company line. By going and talking? And then he continues... Uh, asked whether he will continue performing the national anthem. He says, I'll have to do some soul searching over the summer because it has been kind of insulting. When it first happened, I said, whatever. This is an insane story. Now it's been six weeks and I've had a whole lot more time to think about it. I would love to make it two more seasons. That's kind of a dream of mine. Is this guy the biggest pussy willow in sports right now? This Predator's national anthem singer who's being upstaged by bigger names. This is how music works. This is how life works. If you are on the stage at a crappy bar and suddenly a celebrity comes in and says, you know what, I'd like to take the stage and sing. You okay with that? You know what happens? The celebrity comes on and takes the stage and sings. Let's go around the horn right now. Is this guy the biggest pussy willow in sports right now, this Predators national anthem singer who is upset that more famous people are getting to sing the national anthem instead of him? Jason Martin. Uh, 
this story just boggles my mind. Like, if you play the second baseman, or if you're the second baseman for the New York Yankees, and they draft a second baseman, and he's better than you, then he's probably going to get in the game, and you're probably not going to be there. It's nice that you get to sing. I didn't know this dude's name until yesterday. Now, unfortunately, I do. This guy got bumped for bigger talent. Like, when you go, the whole Matt Damon thing on Jimmy Kimmel, like, that's a joke. But there are guests that get bumped off of talk shows because something goes better than you expect. Even on this radio show, we'll have something planned, and we'll bump it for something better. Like, you live in Nashville, dude. You live in the music mecca, I would argue, of the entire world or certainly the entire country. There are people, like, you. I could go outside and throw a quarter and I'll hit somebody that can probably sing as good as that guy. Like, even guys on the street, like, no names out of absolutely nowhere that can do thousands this. Like, you got of people, Vince Gill, you got Thousands all these people of people here. come to Nashville to, like, just like people go to L.A. to try to make it as actors. Thousands of people, probably every year, come to Nashville with the idea of, I'm going to become a country music star. I'm the best at singing or whatever it is i'm the best at playing the fiddle i'm the best at playing the drums wherever you are whatever your musical talent is there are dozens if not thousands of people just as good as you that have rolled into this town trying to make a living and you know what happens it's survival of the fittest right it's a meritocracy just like sports i mean that's why i use the wally pip example you know wally pip got replaced by lou gehrig i'm sure that wally pip's family was still saying you know what that lou gehrig guy didn't deserve to get your job and if you quoted him and he had quoted them, like he's going to some retirement ceremony and everybody's talking about how he's not singing the national anthem, I guarantee you in a stadium arena of 17,000 people, there's like 10 that even think about this guy getting usurped when Carrie Underwood and her perfect legs walk out onto the ice to sing the national anthem. Right? I mean, there's yeah. not. this is one of the most – and then he says he's not – he'll address it later, and then he decides to go public with his criticisms over the fact that he's being usurped. And how dare you say you're going to soul search? Are you kidding me, bro? <laughs> like, please, like, I-, I tweeted this last night, Clay, but what we need to see is Carl Lewis needs to be asked to sing the national anthem tonight. One of the worst Just of all time. Just to send a message. Just to send a message, and then that guy needs to get pink slipped. Like, He's this what he guy's said. got to go, like, now. I'll have to do some soul searching over the summer because it has been kind of insulting. Good Lord. Soul searching? Shut the hell up. I would fire him right then and, th- right then and there. If I were in charge of this this guy's contract, I'd be like, what? first of all, what do they pay the guy to do the national anthem every day? A hundred bucks? If they pay him that, that's an overreach. Because in this city, you literally could have 1,000 people show up who want to sing the national anthem before a Preds game, all right? This guy is not I, I, hes not Pavarotti. Like, I don't even know who the heck this guy is. So the idea that you wouldn't try to get a celebrity for the playoffs is, like, what do you want the Preds to do? Keep trotting out the same loser that nobody knows? Or do you want to go get some of the most famous recording artists in the entire country and the world, to be frank, to come out onto the ice and sing the national anthem? Danny G and Robert, you guys are in L.A. Anaheim's playing against the Predators here. Is this as absurd of a story to you as it is to us? It totally is. But, you know, if I'm the club, I, I could have just uh, smoothed the situation over by getting the guy a spray tan and a sparkly shirt, and I would have walked him out with Lady Annabellum, and he could have been like the fifth member. Would anyone have known? Could have harmonized with him? Here's what he should do. He should get to do the Pledge of Allegiance. If you want to get, just add the Pledge of Allegiance to the before the uh, before the hockey arena uh, events, all right? You got the the anthem singers, and then you got this loser guy who's having to do his soul searching, and he can do the Pledge of Allegiance. 
I think that would actually be pretty funny. Or, unfortunately for them, let's say Ottawa manages to pull off the upset over the Penguins and ends up advancing. You could have this guy sing the Canadian national anthem, right? It just worked out that you've been playing two American teams. You could have played a Canadian team, and then you have to sing both national anthems, and then you could have had this guy sing the Canadian national anthem. Bang, it's all solved. I, 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 again, one of the most ridiculous quotes I have heard in the playoff season is, I'll have to do some soul searching over the summer because it's been kind of insulting. Please just like uh, tell this guy that he can come out and sing with whoever it is. Like you get Kenny Chesney or whoever And just it is, leave his mic off. And then turn his mic off. <laughs> yeah. Like turn it on and then as soon as everybody's like, welcome Dennis blah, blah, blah and Kenny Chesney. And then all you hear is Kenny Chesney and he's standing there holding that like a phallus in his hand. I want this guy humiliated. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. There's a whole lot of bad things going on in this world. My man's soul-searching because he was upstaged by celebrities. Go the hell home, bro. See if you can do that in church or wherever else it is that you say. Isn't the national anthem supposed to be the thing that you don't, like, make about yourself? I understand that when people come out, they do their rendition of the national anthem. But of all the things to complain about, you are there to sing the national anthem not because of your incredible talent at singing, but because we do the national anthem to honor the country. Now, you can get into whether or not it makes sense to sing it before sporting events, but it, by very definition, is not about you, right? Like the national anthem. Now, I understand, look, when you bring out a celebrity, it gets more attention, but the reason why it's going on is not because of the person, right? It's because of the song, because of the anthem. So he's making the singing of the national anthem entirely about him. And I, he went public with his criticism which is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. Is there anybody out there in America right now? This is a tough argument. Is there anybody else out? Is there anybody out there in America right now who can defend the Preds anthem singer being a bitch, being a pussy willow here, being the worst person in American sports today? Is there anybody out there who can defend this dude? 877-996-6369, your opportunity, or... You can ridicule this guy and come up with other suggestions for what the Preds should do to him over his being upset that super celebrities, again, we're talking about, it's not like he's getting replaced by mediocre guys that nobody knows. We're talking about Carrie Underwood, Luke Bryan, Lady Antebellum, Little Big Town, Vince Gill. These are Grammy-winning artists who are showing up for free to sing the national anthem for the NHL. It's a pretty cool tradition, and this guy is going to be a total bitch about it. 877-996-6369. He's soul-searching. Jason Martin, try to find this guy. We need to get him on the radio. We need to ridicule him on the air live for everybody. (laughs) I am Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is... You don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. We've got two polls running up on Twitter right now, Um, and I'm going to give you the results for both of those right now. Was Zaza's play dirty against Kawhi? That's what we started off the show talking about. Nearly 2,000 of you have voted so far. You can go vote. Go find me at Clay Travis. It is exactly dead even. Nearly 2,000 of you, it's exactly 50-50 on was his play dirty against Kawhi. I do not believe his play was dirty against Kawhi. This poll doesn't have as much variation right now. I asked, is the Preds national anthem singer complaining about being replaced by country music stars a huge pussy willow? And right now, 82% of you say that yes. 
he is, in fact, a huge pussy willow. But he is not without defenders. Rod and Boca Raton must be related to this pussy willow national anthem singer. He is riding in to outkick to defend him. Rod, what's up? Hey, you guys just totally misunderstand this guy. He's saying he's soul-searching because he has no soul. <laughs> okay? That's that's as best I can do to defend this jerk. It is. Thanks for the call. That's not bad. He's This is the, one of the most ridiculous controversies I've ever heard involving the national anthem. In fact, I might consider this guy to be more annoying than Colin Kaepernick and his protest. Is that going too far? Have I extended that too far here? I'm going to tell you why I think that. Because at least Colin Kaepernick is protesting something, right? He's protesting something that the government is doing. This guy is, and, and or not doing. Now, I disagree with Colin Kaepernick. I think he's an idiot. I think he deserves not to be employed because his problems exceed his talents, all those things. And by the way, the Seahawks are considering Colin Kaepernick, and we're going to talk with Alex Marvez next segment about whether or not he thinks that they'll actually sign him. Remember, I've said on this show for a while, I could see how he could make sense in Seattle. Colin Kaepernick, that is. But at least Colin Kaepernick is protesting something the federal government is involved in. This guy is protesting not being able to sing the national anthem because he's not famous enough compared to the other people who get to sing the national anthem. There's not a single person that's not related to this loser in the arena who's like, you know who I want to sing the national anthem? Between Carrie Underwood and this guy, this loser, whatever he is, we'll just call him Pussy Willow for short, P-Dub. This P-Dub, I, I, why would you even let him sing? I would fire him right now. People say, oh, Clay, you know, like you're too much of a jerk, whatever. No, like I think you have to nip Pussy Willows in the bud the minute they reveal themselves. And I I would read this story, and I would immediately call this dude in, and I would fire him. And you know what I would do? I would put it live on Periscope and Facebook. And then people say, what's mean? Be like, hey, I'm not running a charity here. trying to win a championship. We're trying to win a Stanley Cup. And if the guy who wants to sing the national anthem is going to be a total Pussy Willow, total P-Dub, then I gotta let him. I gotta let him go. No point whatsoever in him continuing to be affiliated with my franchise. You got to do soul searching over the fact that you got replaced by Carrie Underwood. Is Wally Pip out there soul searching over the fact that he got placed by Lou Gehrig. Is he still haunting the old Yankee Stadium grounds, walking around wondering what would have happened if he hadn't gotten replaced on that day he took off? Might be. Might be still angry. Might be still out there talking to random old ghost reporters. Talking about how everywhere he goes in New York, people are coming up to him saying, you know what? I don't know why that Lou Gehrig guy's getting to play anyway. You're better than him, Wally Pip. Don't ever use quotes like that. The guy said that he took over a retirement ceremony because all anybody wanted to talk about was him not singing the national anthem. That's the biggest lie I've ever heard. Maybe the biggest lie I've ever heard. And we've got Donald Trump as president right now. You know, you know and he ran against that. Hillary Clinton. We just had the 2016 presidential election featuring the two biggest liars of all time. This guy, this P-Dub, this Pussy Willow announcer, biggest liar of all time. Jason Martin. It was, it was real easy. He walked up to people he knew, and he said, don't you think it's BS that we've got all these country singers, and I've done this all season long, and I've killed myself, and I've worked my voice out and done all this kind of stuff, and now they're going to push me to the side. Don't you think that's crap? And his friends were probably like, yeah, man, that, that uh, that's a, that's a problem. I don't even know that he that needed he just, to yep, bring it up. I think that people are just nice, and they came up to him and they said, "Hey, 
what's it like getting replaced by Carrie Underwood or Little Big Town or Lady Annabellum or Luke Bryan, these artists who have sold millions of records, and he's like, man, it sucks. I can't believe they're replacing me. And then, because they're your friends, they tell you something nice to make. Like, this guy's lack of self-awareness is incredibly strange. Like, he thinks that he's a center of the attraction compared to these famous artists. I would Again, I would call him in, and I would fire him live on Periscope or Facebook. And if he complained, I'd be like, dude, here, we're going to give you $3,000. That's how much your performances are worth. You over would hard knock him? Hard knock him. You would just say, like, I'd, bring I'd, your playbook? Bring your playbook. Bring your, bring your national anthem, your laminated national anthem, and just turn it into me. You're done here. It's 100 percent what I would do. I wouldn't. I wouldn't like try to fake it. I wouldn't try to. Uh, I wouldn't try to deal with you know like any of the fallout. You give an interview, and by the way, some of you who don't know, I was reading from the Nashville, Tennessee, and the local newspaper here. You give an exclusive newspaper interview about how upset you are that you're being replaced for the national anthems by total celebrities, and you say you're soul searching about whether or not you can show up again. I mean, does this guy have any clue? What a total pussy willow he sounds like. He can't. He he is the most tone-deaf loser in the entire city of Nashville. And that's saying something. That's saying something because there's a lot of people in any city who are tone-deaf losers. This guy's number one. All right, we're going to talk next to Alex Marvez. I'll see what he thinks should happen to this guy. And also we'll ask him about whether Colin Kaepernick is going to sign with the Seattle Seahawks, as is the latest rumor. But first, let's find out what's trending now. Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. As well, with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. We bring in now Alex Marvez. You can follow him on Twitter at Alex Marvez. He joins us every single Tuesday, bottom of the hour, to talk NFL. Alex, we start with as the Kaepernick turns. Do you think there's a chance that he is going to end up with Seattle, and how likely do you think that chance is? Well, I mean, I think there's a very good chance. And, and, you know, because reality is last year, play no team, and I'm not exaggerating here, in NFL history – Got by on the cheap at the backup quarterback position more so than the Seattle Seahawks. When you put in the cost of inflation, et cetera, they had an undrafted college free agent who probably got about $27.56 to sign <laughs> as their backup quarterback. They rolled the dice, and, and they didn't bring back Tavares Jackson. They didn't make a move for any other players. So that's how they did it, because they had salary cap issues. Hey, look, it was a gamble that paid off for them, right? Cleared up a couple million dollars that they could they could pay one of their star players. So this leads into this. How much are you willing to pay for a backup quarterback if you've never really valued spending money on that position ever since Russell Wilson emerged as your starter? So Colin has to decide whether that's something he wants to play for. Uh, you know, then you ask Robert Griffin III, are they playing these two quarterbacks off against each other? Where, you know, and the Seahawks are looking at this as a business. Just take the politics out of it. But if RG3 is willing to pay, play for a certain price and you consider him to be equal to Colin Kaepernick as a backup player, how does that work? You know what I mean? So you got to consider that as well. Of course, you have to look at all the off-field things, too. Look, first things first. I think as soon as Colin Kaepernick stands for the national anthem, Clay, I think, and, and you know media better than anybody. I think the media moves on to another sideshow. 
You know, until Colin says something that might be inflammatory, and who's to say that he will or won't? You know, in today's politically charged world, there's going to be certain things that come up that Colin's going to want to take a stance about. And I imagine he's not going to he's not going to tell the Seahawks, I'm going to stay off Twitter till the end of the season. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But if you follow his Twitter account, you have a lot of things being retweeted here. One of them, uh, you know, I don't trust the president. I don't trust the FBI. I don't trust the CIA. You know, things like this that may sit well with one segment of the fan base, maybe not so well with other segments of the fan base. And let's not forget that, that the Seattle area, a lot of military folks who may not be happy with Colin Kaepernick. And, of course, you know, you've got pigs and police, those socks that Colin Kaepernick used to wear. Not sure how welcoming the law enforcement community may be toward him as well. Look, there is going to be a segment of the Seahawks fan base that isn't going to be into this. There's probably going to be players in the locker room who are now going to be subjected to all of the things that would come with Colin Kaepernick joining their team not all of these things are bad you look at what he's done as far as play to me as far as you know helping people this offseason putting his money where his mouth is holding a camp explaining you know rights to to young folks who may have those rights trampled by law enforcement i mean things like this are are things that i think can be very positive in the community but there's a lot to overcome here i think the biggest thing of all though that the seahawks have to ask themselves if colin kaepernick is called upon to help this team win can he do that? I mean, Clay, because think about this, too. We have this incredible narrative now of Colin Kaepernick that the media has made up, right? A lot of folks have flipped on this and not not flipped necessarily, but created this, you know, Colin is a saint and an angel and all this. And that's great. But if the guy can't play, you know how many people are jumping off that bandwagon, right? I mean, then it just becomes go away. We could talk about Muhammad Ali and social activism and, and people like this. But if you can't play. I think in today's society, people aren't going to care or they're going to care less about a lot of what Colin Kaepernick's doing. And for him, maybe that's even okay as well. What's fascinating about this story is the Seahawks decide who's going to be their backup is they also tossed out RG3's name. And I haven't heard anybody talking about RG3. In fact, I want to give you this thesis and you tell me if you agree. In the history of free agency in the 21st century, okay, the history of free agency in sports in the 21st century in America, I would argue that these five guys have gotten the most media attention. And this is the order that I would rank them. Number one, LeBron James. Number two, Peyton Manning. Number three, probably Brett Favre. Number four, Kevin Durant. Okay? I would argue that all four of those guys have been the most covered in the history of the 21st century free agency. What do all four of those guys have in common? They're all first ballot Hall of Famers for either the NHL or the NBA. Who's number five? Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> I mean, so, and, and what's fascinating about this is RG3 is somewhat similar to Colin Kaepernick, right? If I went back to, let's say, I don't know, five or six years ago, let's say 2011 or 2012, and I said to you, there's going to be a real debate in 2017 over who's going to get the backup quarterback job in Seattle, either RG3, who at that point in time would have been coming off one of the best rookie seasons in the history of the NFL, or Colin Kaepernick, who at that point in time would have been dominant as a San Francisco 49er quarterback, and they both vanished. And to me, what they have in common is they've been exposed as guys who consistently can't make plays from the pocket. And I know every year we talk about how everything's evolving in the NFL, but what seems to remain constant is this, Alex. If you are not able to stand in the pocket and make consistently high you know, complete rate passes – then you don't have a future in the NFL. And it seems to me that even Colin Kaepernick, even the people who want to say he had 16 touchdowns and four interceptions, yeah, but he completed less than 60% of his passes. Same thing with RG3. 
they just aren't accurate enough in the pocket, and eventually the NFL figures you out if you don't have that bullet in your arsenal. Absolutely. What's happening with Cam Newton in Carolina? As he gets older and, you know, the mobility begins to wane a little bit or maybe you don't recover as quickly, you know you have to be able to throw out of the pocket. I mean, because if you continue to expose Cam to hits, he'll be out of the league in two, three years, right? And so we'll use him as an example for this as well because you look at what Carolina did now. They're still building around him. So they give him weapons now. Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. They added a a great wide receiver in the second round out of Ohio State who should be able to help them with the slot. So they're they're trying to change the complexion of their offense to build around Cam in hopes that he continues to get better as a pocket passer. Is he ever going to be a 70% completion guy? Probably not. But can he get better enough to help this team win again and use his, his running in certain ways without exposing himself all the time to win? Absolutely. I think he could, potentially. Anyway, but you're right about Colin. His game never evolved. And remember, too, I mean, Colin Kaepernick was the guy. He may have lifted a lot of weights. Where was he in the film room? 2013 offseason, 2014 offseason, those types of things. I saw a whole lot of socializing from Colin Kaepernick in his life at that time that had nothing to do with the game of football. In the case of RG3, you know, a difficult situation in this. Would he have been the same? Would How would he have survived had he not suffered that horrific knee injury? But, of course, he was his own worst enemy. Walks into the Shanahan's and says, hey, I, I want to be a pocket passer purely. You know, and, and his thinking was right, Clay, when you, when you talk about it like this. But the way that he handled it and what he was demanding them to do at that point did not sit well with the Shanahan's. They could never really convert him because his skills, his skill set just didn't translate. And they worked and they tried with this guy and it didn't happen. Now, in Seattle, the way they run their offense, you know Russell Wilson often running for his life behind that offensive line. He has become a better pocket passer himself. It's one of the reasons he's going to thrive for years to come. But as a backup player there, I really think that you can have a quarterback with a Colin Kaepernick or RG3 skill set because you're on the move quite a bit in that offense, and they can call plays to take advantage of those strengths. Hopefully for them, that Russell Wilson wouldn't be gone for a long period of time and be able to get back in there. We're talking to Alex Marvez. Alex, I've argued, and you kind of hinted at it earlier, that This Colin Kaepernick story is one of the most overplayed in the history of the NFL, and I think certainly in the history of free agents in the NFL. This is a guy who's not that highly sought after that has turned into the Rosa Parks of the NFL in the mind of many social justice activists. Is there any way to justify the amount of attention that Colin Kaepernick has gotten as a free agent? Well, we're the ones that keep giving him attention, right? I mean, let's be honest here, Clay. We're the ones bringing this up. You know, I, on my show, on Sirius XM NFL Radio, the number of Colin Kaepernick calls equals the number of Robert Griffin III calls, which equals the number of calls of people asking about me and why I'm not their backup quarterback for their team, which is zero. Now, I know that's a different audience, and not a, you know, and I could prime calls and pump it and tease it and all that, but I think that it's become one of these things. That, look, look look what happens in the NFL in the offseason, and we talk about this. We talked about the, the HGH test. By the way, has anyone failed an HGH test in the past week, Clay? Are, are we there yet? We should have all a that- all the bodies in the NFL are completely natural. In the NBA, too, by the way. Nobody's cheating at all. Exactly. And that's a wink and a nod, by the way. I think everybody's out there using stuff. So you see what I'm saying. So we at this time of the offseason, this is what happens with the media, right? And Colin Kaepernick has become this type of story, much like the concussion issue, much like now the 1972 Miami Dolphins and the stories about how the NFL owes its players a better health care and things like this if they played in the league. You can go back every offseason and look at these types of stories. But what does what is curious about this is, and, and just I think it gets frustrating for, for people when they hear NFL 
NFL teams talk about, you know, why they aren't going to be interested in Colin Kaepernick or saying, I only talk about the players on my own team, this and that. Blaine Gabbard is now the, the poster child for the Colin Kaepernick argument, right? The Arizona Cardinals sign a guy who not only has done very little during his NFL career, but also lost his starting job to Colin Kaepernick last year, yet the Arizona Cardinals are more willing to work with Blaine Gabbard than Colin Kaepernick. I think the best, you know, the what the NFL would love, much like with Michael Sam, is for a team to sign Colin Kaepernick. Get the heat off of them, you know? And, and so that you could say, oh, well, we've given Colin a chance, and if it works out, great, and if not, well, say la vie, but at least you can't blame the league and its teams uh, for not allowing a player to come in who has a different mindset, a different, a, a different agenda maybe off the field with all of this. So, yeah, but, I mean, look, we're, we're the ones feeding the monster. Play, let's not forget about that as well. I am the monster, Alex Marvez. Thank you, as always. We will talk to you next week. I knew this was a big deal when you got me on two or three minutes earlier than usual. So I understand that. I appreciate that, Clay. Thank you, brother. Be good. Uh, That is Alex Marvez. Follow him on Twitter. I am Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. A couple of interesting stories that are out there that I saw last night. Notre Dame has just now completed paying the buyout for Charlie Weiss. And if you now include his Kansas buyout, Charlie Weiss got paid $64.5 million for a head coaching record of 41 and 49. And his buyout at Notre Dame was nearly $19 million. I don't know who Charlie Weiss's agent is, but that guy deserves to be in the agent hall of fame. Charlie Weiss, eight games under 500 career coaching record, got paid $64.5 million to go 41 and 49, including $19 million buyout from Notre Dame. And they just now finished paying him off. My God. That's, a, that's an incredible. I can't think. Can you think of, Jason, can you think of anybody who got more than $19 million to get bought out as a coach? No, I, I can't. I, I don't so. even know what number two on that list would be in college. Now, there might be somebody in the NFL, but I can't even imagine somebody in the NFL getting a buyout like that either. I think yeah. that's probably the biggest buyout in the history of, of sports. Has anybody made more money to suck like that? Like, I was looking at it, I was thinking about it. It's like Will Smith and After Earth might be the last time I look at something, and I'm just like, man. This guy got jobs because of people he was associated with, didn't prove anything, didn't do anything once he got there, and people were on the hook to pay him years after he was gone. Yeah, and at least Will Smith has a huge history of making lots of money for people. I mean, that would be the equivalent of having, like, uh, the Will Smith bad movie After Earth or whatever is like the equivalent of Mike D'Antonio suddenly going 3-9 and or whatever the heck the Michigan State, 4-8, whatever they went this year, like, the Spartans had an awful year, Michigan State did, but there's a lot of equity built up there where you can say, okay, this is the aberration. Charlie Weiss never had the equity. That's I mean, true. the Bush-Push game might have made him $50 million, and they didn't win that game. I don't know that anybody has ever celebrated a near win more than Notre Dame celebrated the near upset of USC. Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, Lindell White, back in the day, is that 2005? In the 2005 season, it's been 11, 12 years, whatever it is, everybody's still reacting to that. I think that's what got Charlie Weiss's big extension. 
Everybody at Notre Dame said, man, did you see what we did? We almost beat Notre Dame. Let's give Charlie Weiss dump truck of cash. And he has now cashed in $64.5 million. That's how much Charlie Weiss got paid to go 41 and 49. I think you can make an argument, pretty strong one, that Charlie Weiss is the most overpaid coach in the history of American sports. The other detail, and I think this is a sad story, Mizzou. Mizzou's response to the fake hunger strike, to the fake protest that roiled that campus several years ago. You may remember that the football team decided they weren't going to play in solidarity with this protest. Gary Pinkle ended up resigning. Everything fell apart at Mizzou. They're going to have to cut 400 employees because, and this is an unbelievable story that I don't think has gotten that much attention. The media rushed in to cover this protest like it was a modern-day civil rights sit-in, and they didn't actually examine the linchpins behind whether or not it was justified, and it wasn't. And the resulting fallout for Mizzou, the president got fired, lots of people lost their jobs. You believe this? The enrollment for freshman class in the last two years has almost dropped by half. Tons of people in the state of Missouri and beyond are making the decision not to go to the University of Missouri such that for the second straight year, Missouri is going to have to cut hundreds of employees. They're talking about potentially because of the lack of money that they're going to have from enrollees this year, having to cut 400 people from that campus payroll. This is just unbelievable. This is why you can't listen to to protesters who are protesting illegitimate things. And I wrote about this at the time. You remember what exactly happened at Mizzou? Somebody, they don't know who, did a poop swastika on the wall. Someone, they don't know who, allegedly yelled a racial slur off campus. And one drunk dude walked through campus who was not a student and uttered a racial slur. And for that, Mizzou has cost itself Hundreds of millions of dollars. That's what the protest was based on. That's it. A poop swastika, which is an unbelievable thing. Like, if you're the kind of person who is going to make a swastika out of poop, do we really think that you're very sane? And also, do we know that it's a negative? Like, in other words, couldn't you make a swastika out of poop saying, like, the swastika is poop? Like, it's not necessarily, if you told me right now, you know what, Clay Travis, somebody loves your show. They did a poop portrait of you. I wouldn't be like, man, that sounds like that person really loves the show. I'd be like, that person hates me. Right? Like, it doesn't seem like something you would do to endorse the swastika to make it out of poop. But what do I know? And then somebody off campus yelled a racial slur, supposedly. There's no witnesses to it. And then somebody who was drunk and wasn't a student walked through campus and said a racial slur. And for that, Mizzou's protest happened. And they've now cost themselves hundreds of millions of dollars. The university as a whole has been potentially irredeemably damaged. And I feel bad for Mizzou because it's an awesome place. I love Columbia. It's an outstanding place. But that story should be a lesson to anybody involved in academia. What happens if you listen to some of these protesting Pussy Willow students and don't stand up to them and tell them, you're losers, go to class or we're going to kick you out of school. That's what should have happened. Didn't happen, though. And as a result, Mizzou has been 
horribly damaged in the process. I am Clay Travis. Final hour coming up next. I'll tell you why Greg Popovich is a total and complete hypocrite next on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in. Final hour Tuesday edition Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote as well. Always want to let you know, Duralast batteries proven tough, designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions with patented technology to deliver the most power during startup, get in the zone, auto zone. I'm Clay Travis. Thanks for hanging with us here. And I thought maybe Miss District of Columbia winning Miss USA or Miss America, whichever one it was. I always get them confused as to whether it's Miss America or Miss USA. But on Sunday night, Miss USA or Miss America, whichever one it was, crowned beautiful Miss District of Columbia. And I thought to myself, maybe, just maybe this can be the moment in time where Washington tosses off the mantle of always losing and ends up being able to advance. And it was followed by that Friday. I mean, it was preceded by that Friday big three by John Wall to win game six. And going into the fourth quarter with about three minutes to go, it looked like the Wizards might have a decent chance to win game seven on the road. And then what happened? Kelly effing Olenek took over. Couldn't be stopped. John Wall, erstwhile superhero, had a chance to become a national sports figure if he advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals with his Wizards. Instead, in the last 19 minutes, he went 0 for 11, 0 for 7 from 3, and Kelly Olenek outscored him 14 to nothing. This was John Wall's opportunity to become a star, and at least for now, He has failed as all Washington, D.C. area sports teams fail. That's because Washington, D.C. is the saddest sports town in America. I made this argument last week. Some of you fought back. I'm sorry. It's the truth. Other than the Redskins, which obviously they won their third Super Bowl in 1991. Since 1991, the Washington area sports teams are the saddest of any pro sports franchises in any city in America. That's now that Cleveland has won a title with the Cavs. Since 1991, the Redskins have won three playoff games, all wild cards. They have never advanced beyond the wild card round since 1992. They've just won three, and they haven't won a playoff game since 2005. The Wizards, born the Bullets, won a title in 1978. This year was the first division title they have won in nearly 40 years since 1979. And what did they do? They lost in the semifinals. The Caps. Oh, the Caps. If you are a Washington Capitol fan, my condolences. Your team is going to lose probably in an excruciating fashion. They lost 2-0 to the Pittsburgh Penguins at home in Game 7. So now the Wizards and the Caps both lost Game 7s with an opportunity to advance and have a chance to play for their conference championships, the Eastern Conference Championship in both divisions. And the Nats. Oh, poor the Nats. I know they have Strasburg, and I know they have Bryce Harper, but did you know that the Nats, born as the Expos, and the Mariners, I'm sorry, Seattle, are the only two teams to never play in the World Series? Washington did what Washington does. They lost a big game that matters. In fact... The city of Washington is the only city in America with four sports franchises 
that has not played for a title in a I'm not talking about a, t- a national title like a conference championship. I'm talking about just played in the mix for a conference title. Right? Just the Eastern or the Western Conference. This is an amazing stat. I'm going to give it to you right now. Great research here. The city of Washington, the losingest city of pro sports, the new Cleveland, Washington has zero appearances in conference title games since all the way back since 2000. No other city in American pro sports or Canadian pro sports is even close to that record of futility. Edmonton, Calgary, Sacramento, Utah, even cities with only one pro sports franchise, Vancouver, San Diego, Orlando, Montreal, Buffalo, Kansas City, New Orleans, Ottawa, they all crush the Washington area pro sports franchises in the past several years. Even you people up in Minnesota who are going to reach out and say, oh, we get no respect, we lose all the time, you've got five conference title game appearances in this same period of time. Remarkable. Every Minnesota team has been to the conference finals. They've had five appearances in the time frame that Washington will not have reached that promised land. And to make it even worse, in that same time span, Boston teams have reached 24 different conference you want the flip side the anti dc the team that is winning the most the boston new england area in order the areas that have produced the most conference championship appearances in the last 17 years boston slash new england detroit la new york philly chicago Pittsburgh, St. Louis, San Francisco all have double-digit appearances on behalf of their teams. That's how bad it has been for Washington. So I was hoping that the Wizards might get relief from the appearance of advancing at least Miss DC one and Miss America, but unfortunately it did not follow through. The Wizards remain the saddest sports franchise in all of America. And John Wall remains unable to make the big play at the big point in time. He was outperformed by Kelly Olenek down the stretch. That, my friends, is not the resume of a guy who's the second-best player in the Eastern Conference. As a result, the Boston Celtics advance. I said earlier in the show, you can go back and listen to the podcast at your uh, at your opportunity, at your leisure. Go download it on iTunes. I said that I think the Boston Celtics have a decent chance to catch the Cavs unaware. I'm excited to see what's going to happen in this series. On the flip side, I think there's absolutely nothing that's going to happen in the Warriors and the Spurs series. Game two of that series in San Francisco tonight. And Greg Popovich has lost his mind. This is what Greg Popovich had to say. Listen to all of his quotes from yesterday. He decided to go after Zaza over the injury that Kawhi Leonard suffered. And he's a hypocrite, and I'm going to tell you why here momentarily. But here is what that sounded like. The play where he took Kawhi down and locked his arm in Dallas and could have broken his arm. Ask David West, his current teammate, how things went when Zaza was playing for Dallas and he and David got into it. And then think about 
the history he's had and what that means to a team, what happened last night. Totally unnatural closeout that the league has outlawed years ago and pays great attention to it. And Kawhi's not there. And you want to know how we feel about it. You want to know if that lessens our chances or not. If he would have played and they'd have ended up winning, i go get dinner, have a glass of wine, wake up the next day, go to practice, and move on. But this is crap. And because he's got this history, it can't just be, oh, it was inadvertent. He, did, he didn't have intent. Who gives a damn about what his intent was? You ever hear of manslaughter? You still go to jail, I think, when you're texting and you end up killing somebody. But you might not have intended to do that. All I care is what I saw. All I care about is what, I, what happened. And the history there exacerbates the whole situation and makes me very, very angry. Take that for data. That is uh, Greg Popovich going off. Now, I put up a poll question. You guys can go vote on it. Was Zaza's play dirty against Kawhi? I don't believe it was. I'll explain to you why that is, but I think this is more relevant. Greg Popovich also happened to coach a guy by the name of Bruce Bowen. Several of you may remember him. He's universally renowned as one of the dirtiest players to play in recent history in the NBA. Here is what Greg Popovich said back in 2006 after the NBA warned Bruce Bowen about stepping under jump shooters. Popovich said Bowen is, quote, being singled out, citing incidents where other players have also created issues. Did the league call them, Popovich said. Did they call all those guys Dirk landed on when he sprained his ankles the past three, four years? The answer is no. So why did they call Bruce? Because it's happened to him twice? Bruce guards an all-star every night. If he was doing what they're accusing him of doing, wouldn't it have happened at a higher percentage of times? The people who cry about it are just frustrated about having to go against Bruce, and the league is just trying to cover its ass, Popovich said. I told Bruce, you be Bruce Bowen. You're the best effing defender in this league. You will not change the way you play defense. Stu Jackson is not going to change my team just because he thinks he's doing the right thing. Now, I went back and watched this Zaza play over and over again. And again, you can go vote in whether or not you think that this was a dirty play. And right now, with 3,300 of you have voted according to the most recent numbers, 51% of you say it's not dirty. So 49% of you think it was dirty. I go back and I, look, and I ask this question. First of all, Popovich is a total hypocrite, right? His defense of Bruce Bowen is the exact opposite of his attack of Zaza. So if you are going to argue that you're trying to just look out for the betterment of the game and everything else, which is what Popovich's defenders always say, that's not true. He's going to argue whatever benefits his team the most, and right now, what does he exactly want to happen? He wants more whistles so that his team can get the benefit, be the beneficiary of 50-50 calls in a series where their basic lives as a team comes down to game two against the Warriors on the road. I mean, that's the truth of the matter, okay? So his team gave up a 25-point lead. During the course of giving up that 25-point lead, Kawhi Leonard was injured. I think you go back and watch that play. It's not a dirty play. You have to consider several things. One, Zaza is a big, not particularly astute mover of his body, especially out by a three-point line. He's challenging a shot. He slides in to try to challenge that shot, and Kawhi Leonard comes down on his ankle. That was not a dirty play. I watched it 20 times. It's just not. I understand that Popovich is trying to make it that way, it's not a dirty play, all right? Secondly, what does Popovich want to happen? 
when you were arguing that this is the equivalent of manslaughter, and I don't, I'm not going to argue that Popovich is trying to say that these two things are equal. What he's trying to say is that there isn't intent with manslaughter. If somebody hits somebody while they're texting, your intent was not to kill someone while you were driving, but effectively you behaved in a negligent fashion. And sometimes our court systems, both civilly and criminally, will consider extreme negligence to be of a criminal nature. And so what he's arguing is that what Zaza did here, while not intentionally intended to create an injury, was so negligent that it deserves a penalty. Here's the problem with that. I've been thinking for basically the last day, trying to come up with an NBA rule that is, or even a basketball rule, that is based on the idea that we're penalizing it even though it may not be intentional, right? In other words, if you get called for a foul in the NBA now, every time you get called for a foul, it's because you did something that violated the rule, right? You reached out and slapped somebody's wrist when they were trying to go to the basket. When somebody was boxing out, you threw them to the ground. They are relatively easy. When you were standing underneath the basket, you were inside the circle, and so you violated the rule. How would you apply this rule? And remember, Zaza was called for a foul on this play, and really he shouldn't have been called for a foul, I don't think, because he didn't make contact. The shooter, Kawhi Leonard, came down on him, and he reacted after the foul was called in an exasperated fashion as if he knew that he didn't deserve to have a foul called. So if you were trying to play in a dirty fashion, you probably wouldn't react and believe that you had done something that didn't deserve a foul. But here, when you're trying to do what Greg Popovich wants and penalize intent without being able to establish any intent, it's not a dirty play. Dirty plays require intentional acts. That's why they go review the monitor when there's a flagrant one or there's a flagrant two. It's an intentionally violent, unnecessarily non-basketball play. Here, I can defend completely everything that Zaza did on this play. There's a guy shooting a three. He's a big man. He goes out to contest. He lunges with his right hand. And as the shot is taken, he turns and begins to pivot to box out his player. He continues to follow the body into Kawhi Leonard. That's just aggressive basketball. He didn't do anything wrong at all. Some of you can disagree. You can be wrong. I'll take a few of your calls. At the bottom of the hour, we are going to Casey Smith. She was up in Boston at the uh, Celtics. Big win over the Wizards. We'll talk to her about whether she believes the Celtics have a chance to win this series against the Cavs. But first, your calls, 877-996-6369. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. I think Greg Popovich full of crap. I think everybody's afraid to criticize him because the media just ball washes him at all points in time. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. One of you guys passing along an old article from the New York Times. Remember when the Phoenix Suns got jobbed out of a championship? When Robert Ory hip-checked Steve Nash into the bench? And then Amari Stoudemire came into the scorer's table. And then Amari Stoudemire came off the bench. And as a result of leaving the bench, he got suspended. The Suns went back, I believe, and lost game six. And then came back and lost game seven against the Spurs. What did Greg Popovich say then? Clearly a dirty play by Robert Ory, right? He intentionally knocked Steve Nash into the scorer's table. 
And as a result, they got the benefit of their intentional wrongdoing. Greg Popovich said, it was just an end-of-game foul. And Steve fell down. I didn't think it was such a big deal, Popovich said. Probably one of the biggest foul calls and results in recent history in the NBA. Greg Popovich has a player in Robert Ory who hip-checks aggressively, indefensibly, Steve Nash into the scorer's table, causes Amari Stoudemire and several other players on the Suns roster to leap to the defense of their point guard, may well have cost the Phoenix Suns a championship. And Greg Popovich says at the time, it was just an end-of-game foul, and Steve fell down. I didn't think it was such a big deal. Compare that with Popovich going on a rant now about Zaza when Robert Ory intentionally hip-checked the league MVP into the scores table and the resulting reaction led to the kicking out of Amari Stoudemire in a result that I think many of you who were NBA fans, I was watching that game live at the time, had the exact same reaction as me. This does not seem fair that the Suns were got a cheap shot artist in Robert Ory, at least at that point in time, to take a cheap shot on their star player. And Amari Stoudemire reacts. He didn't do anything wrong. He just came off the bench onto the court, and he was suspended for game six. The Suns lost game six, and Greg Popovich says, it was just an end-of-game foul, and Steve fell down. I didn't think it was such a big deal. Now, you're fine to be able to defend your guy if you want to, but give me a break. You cannot come out and now argue that Zaza's situation is awful and indefensible. Let's go to Bryson in Nashville. Bryson, what's up? Hey, Clay. How you doing? Um, reminiscing on, on the regular season when Zaza screened Russell Westbrook and stood over him, that was more intentional. You could tell by Zaza's reaction last or two nights ago that it wasn't intentional. He got in the rest face, throwing his arms up. Uh, that was That's what I mean by trying to enforce the rule. Yeah, it's a Thanks great call. Ball. It's a great point, Bryson. If, if Zaza had been trying to injure Kawhi Leonard, he would not have reacted in disbelief when he was called for a foul there because he didn't make contact at all in any way with Kawhi Leonard on that play. Now, Kawhi Leonard came down on his foot. You could argue whether or not it's a foul. You see that happen all the time. Guys come down and, foul, and fall down, and the foul call is frequently not made. The official was in good position there. And the reaction, unless you believe Zaza is an incredible actor, his immediate reaction was, I can't believe I got called for a foul. Now, that happens all the time in the NBA, right? Nobody's ever fouled anybody in the history of the NBA. But his reaction was, I didn't do anything at all wrong. And unless you think he's an incredible actor, then that's probably a legitimate response. Again, my issue is Greg Popovich is getting praised. Everybody's going to play this audio. Very few people are going to point out that Greg Popovich is a complete and total hypocrite here. I just read you his quotes when Robert Ory hip-checked Steve Nash into the scorer's table, and that directly impacted the outcome of that series and maybe the outcome of the championship. I think the Warriors are going to win regardless of whether Kawhi Leonard plays or not. I think Greg Popovich would acknowledge that as well. But the fact that that decision directly impacted who was going to win the championship in the NBA that year, and Greg Popovich said, oh, I didn't see anything wrong with it. 
I think everybody who's listening right now would say, yeah, Robert Ory was a little bit out of line to a lot of bit out of line when he hip-checked Steve Nash into the scorer's table. And certainly in the way that Greg Popovich defended Bruce Bowen, you can't tell me that Zaza is worse than Bruce Bowen. You just can't. Because first of all, Zaza is not very often in that position, right? He's a big man. Bruce Bowen was designed to defend the best scorer. He's sliding underneath jump shooters all the time, and Greg Popovich defends him. That's his role on the team. Zaza's a big man. He's not typically contesting three-pointers out by the bench. He's doing the best job that he can there. Andre in North Carolina. What's up, Andre? Yeah, um, by the way, I love your show, even though it aggravates you sometimes. But like you said, man. Sound like it, my it, wife, Andre. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I find it crazy, too, man, because, like, you can tell. I think I don't even think that they that they blew the whistle because he was there. I think they blew the whistle because of his react, Kawhi's reaction to it. Like, he started grimacing, like, as soon as he landed on his foot. And then, like, a couple plays later, I think it was either the next play or a couple plays later, like, LaMarcus Aldridge did the same thing as Steph Curry. And yeah. the referees, they swallowed the whistle and kept, kept it moving. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's crazy because you said the same thing I was thinking. That was real hypocritical because I remember that series, man, and fans were going to be saying it's on you, man. hundred percent. They had that series won. They had just won game five on the road. They were going to go back to Phoenix for game six. You know how good Stoudemire and, uh, and Steve Nash were that year, how much fun that Phoenix Suns team was to watch, the run-and-gun Suns. And then, because of the dirty play of Robert Horry, which – Greg Popovich defended, they got the benefit of the best player offensively other than Nash, Stoudemire, not being able to play. They won game six, and then they came back and won game seven, too, in the Suns, even though they had a great run there, never ended up winning a championship. Thanks for the call, Andre. Good points. Uh, let's go to um, let's go to trending now, and then we're going to talk to Casey Smith in Boston. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And remember, with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and, on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. We bring in now Casey Smith. She is up in Boston. Casey, what's the vibe now that the Celtics start to turn their attention to the Cavs? They have home court, but I think everybody would acknowledge big underdog. Is this a we're happy to be here, we hope the NBA draft lottery goes well for us tonight kind of situation, or is it a we believe we legitimately can advance to the NBA Finals? Uh, I think most people are pretty rational knowing that it is the Cleveland Cavaliers they have to face. And in fact, last night in the newsroom after the game, it was like everybody hoping maybe it could go five, potentially six. But I think that the, the realistic point of view is that, you know, they, they're going to advance to play the Cavs. They have a pretty good chance of getting the number one overall pick in the NBA draft lottery tonight. And nobody expected them to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. But let's be honest. I mean, they can't very well beat LeBron the way that they've played LeBron in the regular season in seven games. Um, I think everybody's just happy to be here, but at the same time, I don't think there's very many people that are wearing the green sunglasses thinking they could advance, but I, I'd be surprised if you didn't hear more of that today, just because people are always really excited when these things happen, but realistically, there's no way this team can beat the Cavs, but again, nobody expected them to be here, so I think it's definitely a successful season for Danny Ainge and this team. We're talking to Casey Smith at KAYC Smith. You can go follow her on Twitter. She's up in Boston, covers all the area Boston sports teams on her television show there. Okay, so 
the Kelly Olynyk performance. There, I know we're in a new Boston Garden. It's not the old Boston Garden, but for Game Sevens, is that one of the most improbable Game Seven performances in the history of not just even Boston sports, but also sports in general? Twenty six points. He outscores John Wall. I believe the number was fourteen to nothing down the stretch in the fourth quarter. I mean, this came out of nowhere, right? Yeah, and the fourth quarter is what everybody was talking about last night because Kelly Olynyk, he's one of those guys that you either love him or you hate him. And Boston fans are very polarizing when it comes to him. So, of course, all the people who have been really high on Kelly Olynyk, all you're like, oh, we told you so. And most people are like, come on, this is a guy coming off the bench who is pretty soft a lot of times. He's done some good things. But to have 14 points in the fourth quarter of a Game 7 going into the Eastern Conference Finals and you're going against John Wall, who arguably is the best or the second best player in the Eastern Conference. Uh, a lot of people were very surprised, but that's the thing about this Celtics team play that people are just kind of confused on is that sometimes it's completely relying on Isaiah Thomas, and he's the only guy that you can really look at okay. They have to build around him. And then other nights you see guys like Kelly Olynyk scoring 26 points. So this is a weird number one seed, and I think that's what we've seen throughout the postseason so far is, is that they don't really know what their identity is, and it's kind of a weird number one seed because they're not the number one seed. So people are waiting to kind of see what this team can look like. But Kelly Olynyk is very hated half the time and very loved, and he just helped that uh, that kind of mystical creature last night. I just wish he would cut his hair. I really do. I can't. <laughs> You're look not at pro him. man bun. No, I can't do it. So good for him for scoring 26 points. I think it'll be great to see uh, what he can do in the Eastern Conference Final. But every time. I see him on TV. I just want him to cut his hair. So maybe I'm biased. I don't know. John Wall, last 19 minutes, 0 for 11 from the field, 0 for 7 from 3. He said you can't come down. You know, he said that they were wearing black because it was a funeral for game six. (laughs) Well, he created his own funeral, right? I hope he gets a good eulogy for the end of his career. End of his career. End of his season. I bet bet Colin Cowherd, if you guys want to hear a good eulogy, I bet Colin Cowherd is going to have a lot of fun with John Wall's performance down the stretch there. 0 for 11, 0 for 7 from 3 in the last 19 minutes. All right, we were talking about man buns. Did you see, Casey Smith, the picture I put out of men wearing rompers? Yes, I did. What is your position? For people who don't know, you need to get on Twitter. If you want to be disgusted in your morning and hate all millennial men, this romper business that is going on. I've seen women in rompers. They become popular. How would you even define? I don't even know how to define a romper. It's like a, oh, how would you define a romper? It's like a one piece, like a one piece outfit. Yeah, it's like a jumper. Jumper. Yeah, it's kind of like what you would put like a, like a little baby in. But then of course, women that have nice figures look great in them because, you know, they're, they're good for your figure. Now they're a pain in the, the ass when you want to go to the bathroom at a bar but they look great, but a guy should never wear a romper. Never. I do not understand this at all. If this trend happens, will you join all women? I think women, see, men have to be like kind of corralled by women. Men make decisions based on what women consider to be attractive. If any woman sleeps with a man who wears a romper, then this is not, (laughs) this thing is going to continue, right? So women everywhere have to agree not to sleep with men in rompers. Well, it depends on who's wearing the romper. And I know you and I had this conversation when the bachelor wore a turtleneck. I think it just depends on <laughs> the who's turtleneck. You can, it, so. The man cannot wear a turtleneck. I do not believe any like even Tom Brady, best looking man probably in sports right now, can't wear a turtleneck. It's just indefensible. I maybe I'm just a hypocrite. I think it depends on who's wearing it. But you're I will pro say that turtleneck. The is much more. No, no, no. It, I'm not pro turtleneck. I'm okay if somebody like Tom Brady is wearing a turtleneck. Now rompers might be a little bit different because I don't understand the thought process of why a man would want to wear something 
that's basically a one piece. I, I don't understand that at all. Um, but I'm very hypocritical. If a good looking guy is wearing something, I might overlook the fashion trend. I know that's probably not a great answer for you, though. It's not good. You need to stand up no matter who wears it. Uh, we're talking to Casey <laughs> Smith. And speaking of poor male decisions, the Predators National Anthem singer has said that he is disgusted. He's soul-searching over the fact that he has been replaced now by Carrie Underwood, by uh, Luke Bryan, by Little Big Town, and by Lady Antebellum, as well as Vince Gill. Five different a- acts, I believe, that have all won Emmys or Grammys, not Emmys, Grammys. I think they've all won Grammys or Country Music Awards or whatever else. These are five transcendent, hugely global brands, certainly national figures at a minimum, and they have replaced this random guy who is the Predators national anthem singer, and he went off. He's furious over this. How big of a pussy willow is this guy for being upset that he's being replaced by these people? Clay, I'm not married, but if I was, Carrie Underwood could replace me in my own marriage, and I would be okay with it. Like, <laughs> let's like let's be honest. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, the fact that this guy is complaining about this. Like, look, I understand. Like, if you're used to being the guy and everybody listens to you every week, but I mean, come on. These the names that you just named are incredible performers, and it's going to be all over the internet. I just I don't understand this. This is just somebody looking for something to complain about, but. If you're replaced by Carrie Underwood, that means you're doing something right because they want to bring somebody in that's doing an even better job. I just don't understand it. I don't know. But I love Carrie Underwood. She can do no wrong to me. So uh, this guy's just being absolutely ridiculous in my mind. Does Carrie Underwood have the best legs of a professional woman in America today? Like who is better in like the entertainment realm legs wise than Carrie Underwood? Nobody. Carrie Underwood is my number one girl crush. She really is. And I'm not even over exaggerating like Whatever relationship or marriage that I end up in, if my husband or boyfriend came to me and said, hey, listen, Carrie Underwood wants to sleep with me. Are you okay with it? I would clap my hands and send him out the door and say, good luck. I love her (laughs) so much. (laughs) So she can do no wrong. Like I said, I think she's absolutely beautiful. We're talking to Casey Smith. You can go follow her at K-A-Y-C-E Smith on Twitter. Okay, circling back around, final question for you. The draft lottery is happening tonight. How much excitement is there in Boston? The Celtics have a 25% chance to get the overall number one pick. How much excitement is there in Boston over the draft lottery? There's a lot of excitement because even with this team going to the Eastern Conference Finals, they know that Isaiah Thomas and the rest of this team really need help, especially uh, they need a rebounder. I mean, even though they won the game last night, they had zero offensive rebounds in the first half and only four by the end of the game. So a lot of people are really excited to see what Danny Ainge can, can do about getting Isaiah some scoring help and some rim protection. But again, it's just a bigger, a bigger storyline clay of how this week they finish out the wizards in game seven on Monday, a great chance to get the number one overall pick on Tuesday. And then are in the Eastern conference finals on Wednesday, only four years after the complete rebuilding of this team. So if you're a Celtics fan, it's a good time to be in Boston, and it's an exciting time. Uh, I don't think it's going to be as exciting as getting to the NBA Finals, but getting some help uh, later on this summer in the NBA draft is huge. And, of course, people looking at Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, and Josh Jackson as one of those guys. So we'll see what happens. But it's a good time to be a Celtics fan, no doubt. Good time to be a Carrie Underwood fan as well. Casey, thank you for getting up early with us. Enjoy the draft uh, lottery tonight. Thanks, Clay. That is Casey Smith. Go follow her. She's a big Carrie Underwood fan. So am I. And she's not a pussy willow, unlike the Nashville Predators announcer. We got a couple of different big stories coming for you in the final segment of the show today. It's Tim Tebow watch. What did the favored son of God do in his minor league baseball continuation? And 
We got Animal Thunderdome news from down in Texas. Uh oh. Grab your popcorn. It's going to be fun. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. And Animal Thunderdome news. Cue the intro, boys. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. This is Animal Thunderdome. We go to Abilene, Texas, where a jaguar escaped from its enclosure at the Abilene Zoo. How do these big cats keep getting out of their enclosures? This seems like an epidemic. And it killed a spider monkey. The zoo said a jaguar escaped. They don't know how long it was out, but they found him on top of the spider monkey cage where he had killed a spider monkey. It's unknown how long the jaguar was on top of the enclosure, and there's no surveillance video. That seems like a bad combination. Zoo officials haven't determined how the jaguar escaped, but an active investigation is underway. That, my friends, is Animal Thunderdome news today. And we segue, as all great sports talk radio shows do, from Animal Thunderdome news to news about the Son of God's attempt to join the Major League Baseball franchise of the New York Mets. It is Timothy Tebow playing for the Columbia Fireflies. Jason Martin, how did he do last night? If you remember, Tebow only played one game over the last few days because of multiple rainouts. One led to a doubleheader yesterday against the Lakewood Blue Claws up in New Jersey. Tim only played in the first game. Let's take a look at how he did. 0 for 3. Two strikeouts left a small village on the base pass. That's back-to-back 0 for 3 performances. Four strikeouts in those two ball games. He's just three for his last 15 at the dish. He's whiffed and walked back to the dugout seven times in that span. So what does that mean for his average? It was 250 at one point last week. Less than seven days later, it's down to 236. Now fifth on the team amongst regular contributors. He's been as high in that category as a tie for second. So he's struggling, and the numbers dropped right around the time of the St. Lucie Mets promotion rumors bubbling up inside New York media. For the Fireflies, they've got one more today against Lakewood, 635 Eastern time first pitch. As I've said before when we've talked about the splits, Tebow likes day games. His average over 100 points better playing in the sun than in the moon. I'm so, so if excited. If he does play well, it will be more unexpected than if the game began here in a couple of hours. Then they've got four against West Virginia, finally back at home on Thursdays when game one begins. Let's glow Fireflies and let's glow Tebow. Timothy struggling over the last five days and at your Tebow watch for Tuesday, May the 16th, 2017. I'm so excited. I'm so excited indeed, Tim, too. I'm so excited to get to this story out of the city of Houston. Did you guys see this? Moses Malone Jr. has filed a lawsuit against James Harden alleging the Rockets star was responsible for, quote, masterminding a robbery. This is pretty crazy, isn't it? I mean, Again, James Harden being sued. We're going to have to talk about this more tomorrow. There was so much to get into today. 
Malone, the son of Hall of Famer and former Rocket Center Moses Malone, was beaten and robbed of 15 to 50 grand. That seems like a broad range in jewelry at a Houston strip club in June. And in his lawsuit, Malone alleges Harden paid the robbers 20 grand to attack him after Harden was upset about Malone's Facebook post about Harden's basketball camp. The post basically referenced the fact that Harden was charging $250 for a basketball camp. Four men have already been charged criminally in the case, and one of the men charged has said that, quote, he disrespected James Harden and he needs to be punished after that. Police have not charged or connected James Harden in the assault so far. This is a crazy-ass story, right? James Harden paying twenty grand, allegedly, according to this lawsuit filed by Moses Malone Jr., to beat his ass by several different guys because he sent a mean Facebook post? We're going to have to spend a lot of time unpacking this story tomorrow. We need to get the actual complaint on. Can you guys believe this story? This is no. a wild-ass story. I, I saw it last night, and I still don't know exactly. Like, yeah, it's definitely wild. And then one of the tweets I saw was, based on today, this is not in the top ten of weird stories. There was a whole lot of strange things going on, both in and outside of sports. But this one hadn't been a real good, like, week for James Harden. He had the he had the incident, obviously, game six. Then he's caught on TMZ in a club dancing after his team got beat by 39. Now he's masterminding robberies. The beard is, is having a rough go of it right now. And also, how freaking stupid would you have to be if they are able in some way? Like, this is a lawsuit. He would have to get deposed. If they're able in some way to trace $20,000 for a payment of a robbery, then he gets charged with a crime. Yeah, that's How nuts. stupid would you have to be when you're making $100 million to pay somebody to beat somebody else up? Can they then ask him under oath if he, shaved points, if they, no. if he shaved points on Thursday in Game any, 6? They can ask him anything. I would encourage him not. If he were going to shave points, he wouldn't have lost by 39 right, points. Right, right. The shaving points argument for Game 6 doesn't make sense. Like He might not have played hard, but if he were going to shave points, they were a nine-point favorite. They could have won the game by seven, and he could have shaved points. They didn't need to. He shaved fifty points. I don't know if somebody had the the Rockets, you know, plus fifty, then uh, or or minus fifty. They didn't even cover. Anyway, that's an insane story that we're going to have to track tomorrow. Again, allegations in this lawsuit that James Harden paid twenty thousand dollars to four dudes to rob Moses Malone Jr. because he was mad about a Facebook post about his basketball camp. James Harden. Not a good not a good look. We're going to have to dive into this. I want to read the actual lawsuit. Tomorrow we'll spend some time on it. The NBA draft lottery tonight. Lots of excitement there. We'll obviously react to the Warriors and the Spurs as well as the Predators and the Anaheim Ducks. Lots to get into tomorrow. Thanks for hanging out with us here on Tuesday. I am Clay Travis. You've been listening to Outkick the Coverage. Whatever you do, don't pay somebody to beat up your buddy about an angry Facebook message. Don't go James Harden on anybody. This is Outkick the Coverage. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare hey it's jonas knox all right game off we got to pause here to talk more about monopoly go i know what you're saying flag on the play you already talked about that but there's just so much good stuff in this game in monopoly go you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards the more you win together the more awesome prizes you unlock and there's so much to get unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!